Yeah, I think just continue to stay the path, you know, um, continue to work hard every day, uh, continue to do everything, you know, I can on and off the field um, to be a better person, be a better player. Um, and understanding that this game, this game is hard, it's going to kick you in the butt. Um, but that doesn't change, you know, how we work, you know. We're not going to give up on that. We're going to keep keep going at it, um, and, and we'll find a way to push through. Well, Alec Manoa is going to keep going at it at the Florida Complex League. The Blue Jays announcing a few minutes ago that Alec Manoa has been optioned to the Florida Complex League. Uh, a bunch of moves made by the Blue Jays today ahead of tonight's game against the Houston Astros. Uh, Santiago Espinal has been activated and uh, will be at third base tonight as a result of uh, Matt Chapman's ingrown toenail. What are you looking at me like? Ingrown toenail. Stuff hurts, man. And uh, Chris Bassett has come off the paternity list. And Bowden Francis has been called up from China. He's basically the only... He's the only arm the Jays have a triple-A worth calling up, basically. Uh, and uh, we'll hear John Schneider's media availability in a few minutes and see what the Jays are planning for the next uh, Alec Manoa start, which was Friday? No. Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday against the Minnesota Twins. So, Kevin, we talked about this last night. Obviously, uh, Alec Manoa, two-thirds of an inning last night. He was not very good. Uh, didn't help that his first baseman didn't make a play. Uh, you pointed out in the show it was a makeable play that Vladdy didn't make. Nonetheless, two-thirds of an inning is two-thirds of an inning. But I think he got one out. He got one out. He threw 38 pitches, yeah. uh, gave up a grand slam uh, to Corey Jelks. Uh, second batter of the game, Jeremy Pena drops a bunt. Manoa, and I don't – listen, it was just a bad luck. It, you're, don't joke around in the first inning when, you know, basically the Houston Astros are flipping the bird to you. Huh. Uh, Manoa trying to blow the ball, blow the ball foul. Just a bad look, a bad look all around. So Alec Manoa, uh, finally, it only took him seven weeks or whatever it is, but the Jays have sent Alec Manoa down to the uh, Florida Compact, Complex League. And look, yes, there have been a lot of players that have gone down to the minors and come back. Roy Halladay famously went down to the minors and come back. Hopefully Roy they Hall- come back. Roy Halladay was actually sent sent down twice. Um, you know, Mickey Mantle went to the minors. Mike Trout. I mean, you can rattle off any number of players you want who've gone down to the minors and come back. But Kevin, I mean, you know from firsthand experience that. It is a shock. Like I don't care what Alec Manoa says. I don't care what a, Alec Manoa was thinking his heart in his heart of hearts yesterday after that game when he made those comments. It's still a shock. And, and basically going down to the Florida Complex League, you're not going down to compete. Like, they're not sending you down to join a team. No. You're going down. Basically, they're going to go, son, this is a baseball. We hold it like this. This is how you throw the baseball. To a certain baseball. extent, yeah. So talk to me about that. Just the, it's nice, you know, baseball's a humbling game, all that good stuff and all the, and I'm sure Alec Manoa knows all these guys have gone down and come up. The fact of the matter is Alec Manoa was a Cy Young finalist last year. He is by most statistical measures, the worst pitcher or one of the worst pitchers in baseball this year. And guess what? He's been sent down basically to a pitching lab to be rebuilt. 
Yeah, by by no means am I saying that Alec Monroe is not going to be back. But when I got sent down, my career was over. Like I I can I can sugarcoat it and say different things and you know say that I went down and I worked on this. It was the furthest but thing let's, from the okay, truth. And let's because people have asked me about this. So let's set the stage. You were the Brewers' third round draft pick. I was their top dog. You were their I mean, top. I, yeah, I you were their top that prospect. I was. Yes. Okay. You were sent down yeah. after a slow start. No, I had two forty. Well, but, but okay. I'd be hitting cleanup for the Blue Jays. Yeah, you probably would. Okay, you were set down <laughs> yeah, hitting two forty. <laughs> but what was the option that the Brewers had to play at first base? Or Richie Sexton. They had that. Well, they had other options, but sort of. That's not sort of not. The point is, is when you get sent down, the first you mentioned the shock part of it. The, the first part of it is is how long it takes you to get over the shock of. You're the everyday first baseman, which I was. You're hitting in the middle of the order, which I was. Now, at the end, I was, and I was hitting like seventh or eighth or wherever I was sitting. I was hitting at, at the bottom of the order, but I started out the season. I was sitting somewhere around the big boys, Jeff mm-hmm. Jenkins, Jeremy Burnett's, like I was in the meat of all that, right? So, you know, just getting over that took me about three weeks to get all over the mental part, the mental grind of really I got to go down and try and do this again. And, and then it was the realization after I got past the mental part of it of now it's go time to figure out what was wrong and how do I correct it? Well, when I got sent down from the big leagues, I was having a tough time hitting balls off tees. I wish I was lying. That's a fact. I would go in the, in the, in a cage and by myself, when I first got sent down and was having a real tough time squaring up balls off a tee, and I could hit balls further than most people could. I mean, I'm not tooting my own horn, but it's facts. And for me to go in batting cages when I got sent from the big leagues to the minor leagues and having the issues that I was having by myself in a cage trying to hit a ball that's not moving just because of what was going on around me and the realization that I was no longer a big leaguer. Now, by no means am I saying this is Alec Manoa. No. I'm saying what I went through and what he is, I'm sure, going to go through from the time he got on the plane here to the time he's landing in Florida. He's thinking the same thing I'm thinking. The, the thought process of, of, you know, he's a pitcher and I was a position player is no different. You're thinking about, okay, now I'm no longer a big leaguer. What if I, I don't get back? That's absolutely. Now, again, I'm not saying that that's going to no. happen to him, but there is a little bit of that of there's a lot of work to do. Like you look at all the stats that like there are no like the six and a half walks per nine, the ten and a half hits per nine, the four point one pitches per plate appearance, almost 20 pitches per innings pitch last year, two point three Walks per nine, six and a half hits per nine, three and a half pitches per plate appearance, 15 pitches per inning pitched. Like the difference between one year to the another is ginormous. Now, how do you fix it? He's seeing all the stats that we're seeing. He's on the plane. The realization you got to get over the part of I'm no longer a big leaguer because he's not. You're not a big leaguer now. The time they sent you down, that's the realization of I'm not doing my job good enough for them to keep me in the big leagues. Everybody that gets sent down has to go through that part of it first. And 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 it's how long it takes you to get over it. It took me about three weeks. And the thing is, this is an, an organization whose target this year was to win a World Series. 
at least get into the playoffs, but win a World Series. Just getting into the playoffs, I, I don't think that was the target this year. The target they, that was last year. The target this at year. Let's go further than they went last. The, the year. target this year was to, to to go farther than they did last Absolutely. year. Absolutely. So they're not going to have a lot of room to. They're not going to be able to bring Alec up when he's just okay, or well, we can bring him up here and try to finish it off. The next time Alec Manoa pitches for the Blue Jays, he's going to have to hit the ground running, and if this team somehow somehow falls out of it then maybe that equation changes. But the next time we see Alec Manoa here, they're not, going to be, they're not going to be experimenting. They're not going to be waiting to see something. They are going to have a – they'll want to have a pretty good idea that when they send him out on the mound, he's, he's going to be able to compete. And, um, and, and, again, keep in mind, this is a guy – this is a guy who was a Cy Young finalist last year. He's making more money this year than he normally would have in arbitration because of that new, the new bonus pool situation. He was a Jays opening day starter, for God's sake. Yeah. He was a Jays opening day starter. Mm-hmm. And now he's a minor leaguer. Now he's a minor leaguer. Yes. This was John Schneider, his media availability about an hour ago, maybe a little less than an hour ago. Obviously, with all the stuff going on today, it was a very busy day around uh, around the Blue Jays. But this was John Schneider's media availability. John Schneider talking about Alec Manoa and what the plans are going forward, not just for Alec Manoa, but for the Blue Jays. Yeah, I think just trying to get him back to where he has been for the majority of his career and, um, you know, continuing to work on the things he's been working on without going out and trying to, you know, navigate through a lineup every fifth day. So, again, the message to him was the same as it has been, is that we want to always, you know, put him kind of first and foremost, like we do all of our players, and make sure that we're doing everything that we can to help him get better. Can you explain to fans what being sent down to the Florida Complex League means as far as what he'll be doing? Yeah, sure. Uh, Florida Complex League, you know, our short season league that plays out of the player development complex, and I think the thinking of that is um, utilizing all of our resources that we do have there between pitching lab, um, you know, gym, facilities on the field, all that kind of stuff to kind of really um, kickstart. Um, hopefully it's, a, a, you know, not a very drawn-out process for him. And um, whenever he's ready, you know, he'll be, he'll be right back helping us. What, if anything, can you share with us about his reaction to your conversation? Yeah, he's frustrated because of the competitor and teammate he is. You know, he says it repeatedly that he just wants to put his team in position to win and, and help his team win games. So I think... You know, kind of taking that away from him, you know, is what hurts the most. Um, but understanding that, you know, like we've been telling him, we want to really use everything that we can to help him get back to where he was. So knowing the person that he is and the competitor that he is and the teammate that he is, we're comfortable and confident that he's going to tackle this um, head on. And, you know, just like he does when he's getting ready for a opening day start, a playoff start or whatever it may be, you know, so... Um, I think that part gives us comfort and confidence, and um, obviously he was disappointed. John, what's the biggest difference with I think it's pitches per inning. You know, it's um, you know not consistently being in the strike zone and then uh, putting hitters away when he is ahead. You know, I think that that's you know been the the common theme with him throughout, and um, that's what he's going to continue to work on. Is Francis going to start now on Saturday? Not sure yet. He's available to pitch today. I think, you know, having, you know, his skill set, you know, with a, uh, you know, length or, you know, in a short stint is valuable. Um, so not quite sure where we're going to land on Saturday, but he's definitely an option. Was this something that you had to team as a group? Or was this something that you had to 
Yeah, you kind of fly by some of the guys. They all understood it. It wasn't a, a joint team meeting or anything. And, again, I think that every guy in the clubhouse is, you know, feeling the same way about him and knowing what he, you know, when he is at his best, how much he can help us. That is uh, John Schneider, the manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. Ross Atkins, a Blue Jays GM. Uh, did he hold an availability for the writers? We don't know yet. Um, but uh, Shai Davidi will join us at 6 o'clock, mm. so we'll we'll um, we'll get some some insight from Shai. I'm sure he's been able to glean sure. some stuff. There, Buck Martinez joins us at 5.30. He was manager of the Blue Jays when Roy Halladay was sent down to rebuild yeah. His delivery, different situation, I think, than Alec Manova. We'll talk to Buck about that. And at 6.30, mm-hmm. Dana Brown, general manager of the Houston Nationals, joins us. It, we also have tickets to give away, Kevin. It, it is amazing to to listen to managers speak. The, the conversations when they sent down some of their better players, I was one of those. That conversation with Davey Loeb sounds exactly the same. We'll go down there, try and fix yourself. You won't be down there long. Four or five years later, are still down there. Like it's, I'm not saying again. I'm not trying to say that Alec Manoa is that way, but it's just funny to listen to the conversation. How you know when it's fresh and everybody wants you know to see Alec back, and and if it's another person who's a top prospect or one of your better players that's just not living up to expectations. The conversation's always the same. It's never, it's never changed. Twenty five years ago, when I got sent down, and the conversation never changes. Right? It's it's sort of always the same. You're going to go down there. You're going to try and figure out what you're doing wrong. You're going to have plenty of time to go down and fix it. And you know, it's just it's it's funny to listen to him talk about the mental part of it. For me, that's the biggest hurdle. The sooner Alec can get over that and the realization that he's no longer a big leaguer, he's not. That's the th- that's the hardest part of all of that, and then it's work time. Like then it's go time. It's going to take him a little time to because he's no longer hanging out big leaguers, he's hanging out minor leaguers. It's not the easiest thing to get over. Uh, so and just uh, Bowden Francis, you heard John Schneider asked about Francis. That is Bowden Francis, uh, who who really is the only pitcher, the only pitcher AAA has really done anything this year that would warrant a call up. Drew Hutchison has exercised is out. A clause. We saw what the Blue Jays thought of Zach Thompson. He was just designated for assignment today. He was another guy who was down there. AAA, Mitch White. I mean, who the hell knows when Mitch White's going to be ready to go or what he's going to be able to do. Uh, there is a possibility, I would presume, on Saturday that Bowden Francis may start or start as a bulk guy. Yeah, yeah. There's always a possibility of using an opener. I suppose there's a possibility of Trevor Richards opening a bullpen game. Maybe Nate Pearson opening a bullpen game. Uh, and as Ben Nicholson-Smith has pointed out, the Jays are, the Jays are looking outside the organization uh, for some help as well. <clears throat> now, a couple of things about that, and I, I mean, I had my say about this in Blue Jays talk. Uh, it, it to me, it's inexcusable that that an organization that's spending as much money as the Jays are spending at their major league on their major league payroll is this bereft of pitching talent at AAA. I understand no one plans for their opening day starter to go down. But you've got to assume at some point one of your starting pitchers is going to go down. The Jays have been really, really lucky in terms of health. It's inexcusable that there's no depth at AAA. It, it really is. I'm sorry. It's inexcusable that that uh, that this that this situation ha- has taken has taken this long. Um, ha- having said that, uh, looking outside the organization, you know, people are talking about available free agents. Well, here's the thing: if you get somebody who hasn't been in a big league on a big league team or with a big league team for three weeks or a month, 
they're not going to arrive in Toronto and start giving you six innings right away. You're going to have to send them to the minor leagues. It's going to take a couple of weeks to build them up. I suppose you could get somebody who wasn't spring training with another team, somebody who was recently released by a team. You know, there are tons of guys out there, right? Corey Kluber, all these guys. I mean, I'd, I'd see what Bowden Francis gives you first before you, before you start going down that road. And then, you know, and this is something Kevin and I were talking about. Here's the thing for the Blue Jays. We know. We have known since day one that when the trade deadline rolls around, the Jays are going to be looking to add bullpen help because everybody's looking to add bullpen help at the trade deadline. Everybody's looking to add pitching help. If you know you're going to have to do it anyhow, maybe you'd be a little more, maybe you'd be proactive right now. If I got a trade for a bullpen arm in July or August, August 1st, why not trade for that arm now? Now, that means I'm going to have to pay more for it. That is true. It means the other general manager is going to know that essentially you're you're panicking. There's blood in the water. That is true. But let me remind everybody, this is a team with the seventh highest payroll in baseball. They are not a lock for a playoff spot. Again, the seventh highest payroll in baseball. So you have to ask yourself, if you've gone that far, are you going to sit here and retreat now because you've had a setback with one of your starting pitchers? This happens to every team. Every team has a set. Jacob DeGrom is done for this year and possibly next year with Tommy John surgery. That's $73 million down the tubes basically over the next two years for the Texas Rangers. Every team's got pitching injuries. The question now is, if you're the Blue Jays, how do you react to this? You know, maybe Alec Manoa goes down, Kevin, and in three weeks he's back. Maybe. Maybe. Fingers crossed. Sure. We hope he's back. I Absolutely. hope he's back. Me, us, I felt, everybody I, does. I said you, two, two starts, his, his, the start in Toronto, not last night's start, the start before. I felt bad for the guy. I want the guy back. I, 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 I really want Alec Manoa back. He's a great story. He appears to be a, a, a decent teammate. Um, Sounds like it. I'm not certain opposing teams like him, but that's good. Yeah. I, I want him back here. But, uh, boy, at some point, yeah, it, it, just the, the, construction, the construction of this particular team has been an ongoing concern all year. That's, the quality of depth that's all I'm say. is your the quality point. of depth is not been a concern good. all year. That kid is not good. And I keep getting back to this. No. Look at all the teams in baseball that are getting help from the minors. Well, we talked about we we Tons had of teams. We had Alex Anthopoulos on a, a couple of weeks ago, and he said he'd already run through nine pitchers, yeah. nine starting pitchers. Think yeah. the Jays can do that? Oh. It's an issue. Anyhow, uh, that's where we are. With uh, Alec Manoa, I'll read you the lineup today. It, it, there is a game today. Kevin Gossman on the mound against the Astros. Oh. Is George Springer leading off? Bo Bichette, Vladdy, Belt, Merrifield, Varsho, Kirk, Kiermaier, Espinal is back at third base. Kevin Gossman, I mentioned that on the mound. Um, a roll this. Uh, I'm sorry. What am I thinking? I was going to say a roll this Chapman. Oh, you're thinking because we were that talking guy, about Kansas that trade City. rumor. Matt Chapman not in the lineup Might because be a bad of an teammate, ingrown though. toenail. I don't like them bad teammates. Yeah, I know. And Kansas City's looking to move Chapman and Scott. It cost you a little bit. But uh, and and I suppose that's the other thing you could do if you're the Blue Jays. You could look at this thing and go, well, 
you know, maybe with the off days and everything, we can kind of fudge the rotation a bit, and maybe we add another bullpen arm, and we take one of our bullpen arms out and put and and, and go with an opener. Yep. But there's another thing that hasn't really been said here, and and this I think makes it complicates the situation with Alec Manoa. We know that Kevin Gossman and Chris Bassett are better on an extra day's rest. We just know that. The evidence is there. Now you're the Blue Jays. You don't have one of the guys you were counting on to give you close to 200 innings this year. Yep. It's almost impossible to bake that extra off day in for Kevin Gossman or Bassett when you're already dealing with an issue with Manoa's replacement. Oh, and by the way, the guy who's pitching before Manoa's replacement, you say Kikuchi, he's been okay, mm-hmm. but he's not he's not guaranteed to give you seven and a third every time out. So there are a lot of there's there's a real trickle down effect to this particular situation and this particular setback. This is like an injury. This is like an injury. And I think that's how the Blue Jays have to address it. And if Alec Manoa comes back in three weeks, then you got a ton of depth. Then you've solved the issue mm-hmm. of baking in extra days rest for these yeah. guys. Boy, sure would be nice if Vladdy started to get hot and started hitting a <laughs> lot of homers. always gets back to Vladdy. Doesn't it? Well, it would help. No. Like, he would make every little concern that a lot of people around the Blue Jays have they could hide it a little bit easier and not have to talk about mm-hmm. it all the time if Vladdy was doing things that we thought Vladdy could do. I also wanted to mention that according, this is from uh, uh, Ben Nicholson-Smith's uh, Twitter feed. It sounds like the plan, and I'm just going to read Ben's tweet. David Howell, who is the Blue Jays' assistant pitting, pitching coach for strategy. I remember a day when he didn't have an assistant pitching coach for mean? strategy. Anyhow, they uh, he hasn't had one. He may join in first thirteen starts. Man, he was there this year. I'm asking. He may join Manoa in Florida to quote get the ball rolling, according to John Schneider. Pete Walker, Jeff Ware, who's the major league bullpen coach, and Paul Quantrill also will be part of a collective effort to help the righty. Mm. So I take that to mean that Paul Quantrill is kind of an advisor for the organization. Is going to be down there. Yeah, yeah, and essentially. Keeping an eye, and this is this yeah. is where the Jays pitching. Now, this will be intriguing. This will be intriguing because this is where all this money spent in the pitching lab and everything mm-hmm. is going to come into play. All right? Roy Halladay didn't have the pitching lab when he was sent down, didn't he? He had, you know, no. he had he had Mel Queen, which is a pretty damn good pitching lab, as it turned out. But he had Mel Queen down there, so it'll be an interesting test to see if all of this technology. Well, it's there to make it quicker. Can help right? get, it, get it going quicker, well, fix it, it quicker, have him back quicker. You would hope. That's what you spend all that money on, right? It's, uh, I mean, if it works between the years, that, that for me is the one thing. All well, the things that we mentioned about the adjusting of the, the weight program off the field, the throwing program off the field, the bullpens off the field, like all of those things, mesh them together and get him better arm side. It's For me, it's one thing. It's arm side. If you can control that side, that's his arm, that's yeah. into a righty, away to a lefty, it will open up everything. Kevin, I, 2022, I, he dominated that side. This year, he is not. I you think fix that, you'll be okay. Yeah, and, and I think it still gets back to the fact that I think there's a conditioning issue. Absolutely. With Alec Manoa. I, I just do. I just do. And, and as I always say, your opponents will tell you what they think of you. 
And when the second hitter of the game drops a bunt. Yeah, I think that's his game, though. Yeah, but you know what it is, too? It's also we're going to make you run. We're going to make you run. They, we're going to make you well, sweat know, a little bit. We're going to put, we're get, gonna get put pressure on you. The game will be over. That's sort of, that, yeah. they're a really good team. They're a smart team. But, but I'm saying that that's, that's essentially they're telling you what they think of you. I guess. They're telling you what they think of you. They turn, bunted. Turn. Dusty Baker bunted in the first inning of a game. I could raise I could raise yeah. my hand and say you turn the double play, they don't score six runs well, you, in the first inning. You mentioned that, and we, we touched on it. I haven't heard anybody else say that, but it's true. Vladdy did not make a play. Didn't Vladdy DH two days ago? Apparently. Why is he DH in the day? I don't know. Uh, I guess because they want to get Brandon Brandon Belt's in the line. DH? Brandon Belt didn't play yesterday, did he? Uh, no. Against the righty? Was it righty? Wasn't it? I don't know. Anyhow, uh, as my friend Mr. Barker pointed out, well, let's let's talk about that a little more because in the first inning, you know, there's a ball hit the, to, to Vladdy. Yes, Lord he has to, Yeah, and it two change def, up def, out and around. Deflects off his glove and goes into into the outfield. Now, and, and a lot of people, you know, look at that. Well, boy, boy, it was perfectly placed off Vladdy's glove, and away you go. Go Glover. And, and Barker, to his credit, I mean, I wish I could, I wish I could show you the text. Sends me a text like ten minutes early and says, "All the first baseman has to do is make that play." And I went back and I said, "What do you mean?" It's a double play ball. And Barker, you think it was a double play Absolutely. ball that he blew? Yeah. Well, well blue is a bit strong. But didn't no, make no the play. One, knowing the, the situation, knowing who's on the mound, knowing okay, explain how his this. year Walk has Walk through this as went. a first baseman. Well, Jordan Alvarez hits the ball really hard. It's a 3-2 count. You're thinking fastball command, probably getting an off-speed pitch. He's probably going to hit that to you. Be a little bit more prepared. Be a little closer to the ground when you're attacking a baseball. The closer your eyes are to that ball, the more you can adjust your glove to catch the ball in your webbing of your glove. He has a great arm. He catches it. He throws it to second because Jordan Alvarez is the left-handed Alejandro Kirk. They run the same. That's a double play. That's two outs. Uh, I mean, that's a two out. That's two outs with a yeah, runner on third. You, they score one or two runs instead of six runs. Jordan, I just want you to runs. know that I don't agree. Jordan, if you're listening, I don't want. I don't agree with that description. But, but anyhow, difference it makes. The, the the thing. The point is that's a double play. Like those are plays that have to be made because of who's standing. They all for me. They always have to be made. Yep. But especially when a guy standing on the mound is having the year that he's having and is needs you to make a play, and you didn't make a play, and then it escalated into six runs, and he's out 38 pitches in, and now you're using six other pitchers. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. Like, occasionally you need your better players to make big-time plays. Doesn't matter if, if it's in the eighth inning or the first inning. They lost the game in the first inning. Well, everybody is going to try to draw comparisons between Alec Manoa going down to the minors and Roy Halladay uh, going down to the minors uh, in in 2001. And as I said before, fact of the matter is there have been Hall of Famers that have been sent down to the minors and had to work their way back to the majors. <laughs> really good players. Mickey Mantle. We're talking the elite of the elite of the elite. Roy Halladay's a Hall of Famer. And he was sent down to rebuild himself as a pitcher. Buck Martinez was manager of the Blue Jays when that decision was made. He was in the room with Mark Connor, the pitching coach, Gord Ash, the general manager, 
when this was explained to Roy Halladay. What are the differences between Roy Halladay and Alec Manoa? What are the similarities, if any? Buck Martinez joins us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fan Sportsnet, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. The most opinionated Maple Leaf show out there. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, 707 will be the first pitch tonight on Sportsnet 590. The fan at Sportsnet, it'll be Kevin Gossman on the mound for the Blue Jays coming off an 11-4 loss. Hunter Brown on the mound for the Houston Astros. Uh, best rookie pitcher. The majors this year. Um, certainly leading a lot of a lot of, uh, a lot of categories. And uh, yet another one of the... Uh, young arms that the Houston Astros have developed. Dana Brown, their general manager, will join us, by the way, at 6.30. Shai Davidi at 6 o'clock as well as we continue to talk about the news today out of the Blue Jays camp, Alec Manoa being optioned to the Florida Complex League. Now, I, I, I made this point before we, uh, we broke. Uh, a lot of people, of course, are immediately rushing out and pointing to other players who've been sent down to the minors uh, after having some success in the majors or after having some service time in the majors, they've gone down, they've come back, and they've had terrific careers. I'm always reluctant to draw a parallel between different players' situations when it comes to something like this. But the one that really sticks out for most Blue Jays fans is, of course, the story of Roy Halladay being sent down to the minors out of spring training and essentially being rebuilt by Mel Queen. Buck Martinez was manager of the Blue Jays when that decision was made. Uh, Buck Martinez joins us on Blair and Barker. Buck, thanks so much for joining us today. It was great to see you at the park uh, once again last night. Uh, Look, very simple question. What are the differences and similarities in your mind between where Alec Manoa is now and where Roy Halladay was? I think the only thing that's the same is the fact they're both going back to Dunedin. Uh, that was uh, what we decided with Roy, and when we were contemplating the move, it was about how are we going to get him right? He's too good to just cast aside. He's got great potential. He's got a great arm, and uh, we just sat him down there with no pressure. He, he didn't like it, obviously. He was very upset, and uh, I'm sure he, he didn't uh, have very kind thoughts of me for a long time, but it was an organizational decision. Gord Ash was right with me. Mark Connor was right there when we told him the news and what we were going to do. And, um, you know, he went down, and it wasn't until he got the double-A that Mel Queen got on him, and that's when he made the transition. He eliminated okay. his knuckle curveball. He dropped his arm angle and all that. But with Alec, I think more than anything, uh, you know, he had so much success, and there was so much hype around him that uh, we forgot how inexperienced he was and how little experience he's had professionally. And then when things went sideways right out of the shoot in spring training, it was like, oh, oh, he's going to be, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he handles it. And obviously, uh, it didn't go so well. I think Kalujas did the right thing. I don't think there was going to be anything accomplished by him going out there once again on Saturday. And uh, hopefully, this will give him a chance to step back, take a breath, and, and recognize what the issue is. 
And for me, it's pitching with confidence and throwing the ball over the plate. But Buck, is there any concern? Well, what's the biggest concern when you do this, when you're in the room, when you're delivering the message that, you know, a, one of your key pieces is going down to the minor leagues? What's the biggest concern in that? Um, the biggest concern is how he's going to handle it. You know, will he go down there with the attitude of, uh, I'm going to make my way back, I'm going to be the guy I was before, or is he going to go down there and feel sorry for himself? And, you know, I don't think he will do that because of uh, everything we know about him that we saw the first couple of years. But, uh, you know, this is a results-oriented industry. And if you don't get results, you're going to have some consequences. And I think that was the biggest thing. And, you know, everybody's saying all the right things. Well, we want him to get back where he was and all of that. Well, it doesn't make any difference where he was. It's where he is right now that forced him to make this decision. Buck, I would think the other thing here that that is... Um, you know, that must be kept in mind is this is a team that wants to win a playoff series, at least. They want to go farther than they went last year. They're certainly, their payroll suggests that's the, you know, their determination to do so. Does that make it, does that make it harder to make the decision to bring Alec up or in some ways does it make it easier or has it got nothing to do in other, with it? In other words, if Alec goes down and if it takes a month and however long, and he looks like Alec Manoa, again, you just bring him back up and, and let him go. Yeah, I, I think if he gets back to that point where he's, uh, you know, throwing stripes and pitching ahead and he's got bite on his slider and all those things that we saw the first couple of years, then it would be an easy call. But, uh, you know, he's a long way from being there, I think. And I think that's the concern that, uh, you know, you were hopeful that one of these previous starts, you know, 13 starts, and you were thinking, at one point, something's going to click, something's mm. going to turn it around, and Lord knows they tried everything, moved him on the rubber, changed his uh, grips, and did everything, but nothing was working, the results were the same, uh, a walk, and then too many pitches in the middle of the plate, he pitched ahead, got ahead, but he couldn't finish off at bats once he got a hit or two strikes, so all of those things factored in, it just wasn't a knee-jerk thing, this was a hard thing to do, because they don't have any replacements. They don't have any depth, and that's a big concern. When you see other teams, and you look at Tampa Bay, you look at Houston. Houston's lost three starters, and you still have the best earned run average in the league. And uh, it's uh, you know, it's once again, it's like you have to you have to have enough depth to cover what ifs. And the Blue Jays don't have many of those situations to cover what ifs. What happens next? And then. You know, you keep your fingers crossed that they don't lose a position player because they don't have many options. Buck, it's a clean slate, it sounds like, when he goes to Dunedin. Where do you think they start? Like, what, what, where do they, when they walk him out on the field, what, what's the first thing they do with him, you think? I think he has to be brutally honest with himself and say, you know, why am I here? What has led me to being here? And I think he has to answer those questions before he ever steps on the field again. I think he has to realize that, I'm here because maybe he didn't get as prepared during the offseason as he was when he was trying to make the team. Maybe he was resting on his laurels as an all-star and thinking that I had a great September and everything's going to fall in place and it's only going to progress forward. The game is not like that. The game will bite you in the butt every single time you think you've got to figure it figured out. And I think that's the whole thing that, uh, you know, we all learned at some point. Kevin, you learned it as a player. I learned it as a player. 
if you don't keep working and if you ever stop working, you'll be out of the game before you knew what happened. And it has to be a daily thing. You can't anticipate, I'm going to be better next year because I had a good year last year. That is not the case. This game will humble you in a heartbeat, and it's done it once again. But, you know, before we came on here, I was doing some reading on some other guys who'd been sent down recently, and I wasn't looking at necessarily the Hall of Fame guys. One of the guys, position player, different than a pitcher, I get that, but one of the guys I settled on was Alex Gordon, who the Royals sent down in season. And he did a very lengthy interview talking about when he got back up, talking about the process. And he said one of the things when he sent out uh, the manager, and I've drawn a brain fart, it was the manager that took them to the World Series, um, said to him, I want you to go back and, and rediscover the joy of being a baseball player. Enjoy the work, right? Do the work, see the results, and, and do it without the glare of the media and things of that nature. And, and you know, and he, Alex Gordon said it. I mean, it sounded kind of corny. You know, and at that point, he sure didn't want to hear that. All he's thinking is, well, I'm, you know, I'm going down, I'm riding buses, and I'm, you know, I'm going to be going to Subway and Jimmy John's all the time instead of what I was doing before. But he said that once he got down there, it actually helped him, that he embraced trying to get better and trying to have a little win every day. Is it, can it really be that simple for a guy like Manoa? Like, win something every day, do something better every day. Absolutely, it can be, and I, I think, and, and the manager you're thinking about, of course, is Ned Yost. Ned Yost, and, right? Uh, Thank you know, he had, yeah, and he had a, a great feel for the game, and and he had his own failures as a player, so he could relate. But the game is is a joyful game, and I think, and I'm gonna. There's another guy that uh, I think handled it the right way, and Edwin Encarnacion. Mm-hmm. He went down to Las Vegas after he'd already had a lot of success. And, and took it as an opportunity to get better. And he came back a much better player. Kevin Pillar was another guy. John Gibbons sent him out after he flipped the bat down the tunnel. And Pillar told me that was the longest ride from Toronto to Buffalo that anybody ever took. But it, it made an impact on him. And, uh, you know, what? I think in what you said about playing the game with joy, enjoying the process, I think that's why Bo Bichette has so much success. He loves the process. He loves preparing he loves preparation and because of that he is able to enjoy the games and when he's out there there's no pressure he's all prepared he's done everything he knows he can do to get ready for a game and he's just going to enjoy playing the game like he did when he was 15 years old buck, i think that's why he has so much success absolutely buck if you're ross atkins what would be the one thing that you need to see before you would ever think about calling him up again He's got to throw strikes with conviction and execute pitches. Mm. He was not executing pitches. I think he was throwing in and hoping and throwing and hoping and then wishing that I hope this works. And, I, you know, and that's kind of like, like the team right now. Instead of saying, we're going to out here tonight and kick some butt. We're going to win this game tonight no matter what happens. And I think it's, well, let's go see what's going to happen tonight. But you have to have the mentality that I'm the best. Nobody can beat me, and I know it's a tough game, and I'm going to do everything I can to win this game tonight. And, you know, that's, that's a tough thing to do. But the great ones did it every single night, and they didn't accept anything less than their best performance. And, yeah, sometimes – and John Snyder said this in spring training, and he used it a lot. He says, I can handle getting beat. I can't handle losing. 
And I, I think that's where the Blue Jays have to go back and, and refresh themselves on that because, you know, this is supposed to be a World Series-bound team, and uh, they certainly have to improve a lot of things before they get back to that. Buck, do you think that, again, I'm not going to ask you to, to do Ross Atkins' job for him, but, you know, Saturday you could probably try to put something together, whether it's a bullpen day or have Bowden Francis, you know, start or do the bulk thing, whatever. If you're Ross Atkins, do you have to be, do you have to be looking outside the organization right now? Like, do you almost have to operate under the assumption that you're not going to have Alec Manoa for a while and this isn't a two-week thing or a three-week thing. Treat it like it's a month, month and a half, two-month thing. Absolutely, you do. I think you have to look around. I think everybody's looking around. This is the time of the year. You play 60 games, and this is pretty much an indication of who you are. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if that's the case, you've got to go out and shore up some things. And, you know, uh, you've got to get a little more depth. And certainly in the organization, you know, they went out thinking that uh, Zach Thompson and Casey Lawrence and Drew Hutchison and a few other guys in the minors, Luke Bard, were going to be the answer. But none of those guys have performed well enough to deserve a promotion. And uh, you know what? We always talk about how many starters it takes to get through a regular season. And uh, the Blue Jays were lucky that uh, they had five to this point, but all five of them weren't hitting on all cylinders. So, yeah, I'm sure they're looking around. I, I'm, everybody's looking around. They're always looking to get better. It's certainly in the starting pitching rotation. So it's going to be challenging to get somebody from the outside, and it's going to cost you a lot. But the Blue Jays have given up a lot of talent lately, and I think that uh, it's going to be a challenge for them, but at the same time, I think they're very aware they have to add something to this team. Buck, we're going to let you run. Terrific insight. Great thanks stuff, thanks so much for joining thank us. Thank you so much. All right, fellas. You have a great night. Thank you. It's Buck Martinez, our Blue Jays analyst on Sportsnet. Um, and, uh, yeah, thinking back to the decision to send Roy Holiday down to the minors in 2001. I was actually around the team that spring training. Um, and... It wasn't there the day that the holiday decision was made, but I do remember that there was an awful lot of there was an awful lot of tension around the team around that mm-hmm. point. People kind of knew what was happening. Um, every and and Roy, you know, Roy was a little different than Alec. I mean, Roy was Roy was a big personality later on in his career. I mean, one of the biggest personalities in terms of just kind of sucking the oxygen out of a room just with his physical presence that I've been around. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't the case then. He was kind of a quiet guy and every, everybody trying to find his way, trying to find his way. Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, my God, you looked at him. He's a perfect physical specimen for a pitcher. No question. Perfect physical specimen for a pitcher. Yep. Uh, and, and, and I remember that, uh, that time. And that was, it was an interesting time for the blue Jays. They had, you know, they had they had Roy Halladay, they had Chris Carpenter, they had Calvin Escobar. They were kind of the three, the homegrown three-headed monster that that they were that that they were going to build their rotation around. And I mean, my goodness, they ended up. Uh, Halladay was sent down when they got they made a trade for Steve Traxel, and and Chris Carpenter went in the bullpen, and Calvin Escobar went back and forth, and it was, uh, you know, I always kind of chuckle a bit because. I've said quite often that people have this people tend to forget everything that happened with the Blue Jays between 1993 and 2015. <laughs> like it's almost as if there was just this void. Didn't happen. It didn't happen. <laughs> and you know people are talking I I remember have you have you seen a rotation as 
rotation that had homegrown arms like Aaron Sanchez and Mark Stroman. And I'd go, yeah, actually, I remember rotation that had better arms than Marcus Stroman and Aaron Sanchez at the same time. So, yeah, there's an art to handling a homegrown pitcher. And I've got to say this. It's not just this front office. The Blue Jays have had their issues when it comes, other than Halliday, when it comes to kind of drafting, signing, and developing starting pitchers and keeping them around for a long time. They really have. Yeah, I give them credit. I mean, it's, this getting have been the easiest decision to no. send down, especially when you are where you're at in the standings. You are where you're at in the American League East standings, which is a big deal, right? You're trying to jump teams to get in the wild card, maybe trying to make a run, a decent run at the American League East, and you don't really have any depth. Like the quality of your depth, Buck said it. We've been saying it forever. Everybody that ever talks about the Blue Jays say you got a little bit of depth, but the quality of that depth is just not there. And to have enough nerve, it had to be done, but to actually come out and do it, is another story, so you give them credit, that they're actually thinking about the player first. It's a one thing to say it, and it's another thing we've to do it. We've talked about it. We've and talked they're about, doing it, which is a big deal. Yeah, we've talked about it. It's a better deal it for, for Alec. We've talked about it for two weeks. I'm not saying, and, and you certainly don't turn the page in 2023, by any stretch of the imagination, no. but, but this is about uh, Alec Manoa. Given where your payroll is, given what your commitments are, given how much money you're going to have to be paying players, you you need somebody in your rotation who's going to win games cheap. Man. I can't put it any other way. You need somebody who's going to win games on the cheap. And Alec Manola is the only guy you got. Yep. You know, and I, if, if there's a positive for this, maybe it means Alec Manola is not going to be paid that much next year when he comes back. But you got to get Alec Manola right, not just for 2023. I mean, I would argue you got to get Alec Manoa right for 2024. And that's why I'm saying if I'm the Blue Jays, I'm looking at this as I got to go out. I've got to add another starting pitcher. This is not just a short-term issue. It's a midterm issue. Hey, if, it light, if the light bulb goes on and Alec Manoa's back, great. You know what? That answers my question about, about a six-man rotation or about figuring out whether or not I can give Kevin Gossman an extra day here and there. I think that's the way you have to approach it. And you got to get back this. You're paying whatever it is, $274 million. And if you're doing that and it's going to take 8 to $10 million to address this, maybe you ought to go out and do it. Maybe you ought to go choice. out and do it. May not have a choice. Because otherwise you are going to be paying a lot and not getting, not getting much in re- not getting what you need in return, yep. I guess is the way. I guess is the way I would put it. Um it's time for Between the Lines, brought to you by Bet Rivers. With Bet Rivers, it's a whole new ball game. Let's bring in our uh, producer, Mark Boffo. He's got, a, got, got an idea for us, got a bet for us. Go ahead, Mark. All right, guys. So today we're going to look at the total in the Astros and Blue Jays game. Hunter Brown on the mound for Houston. Kevin Gossman on the mound for Toronto. And the total is eight runs. No half run, so just... Over, under, eight runs. Who do you like in this game? Uh, Over, under. I'm going under. No Altuve, no Matt Chapman. Uh, yes, Hunter Brown. I think Hunter Brown gave up like five earned runs his last start. Uh, Kevin Gossman's been in a role. Yep. It's on regular rest. If it, it, to me, this is a no-brainer. If it was the extra day, I'd take the under uh, a, 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 as well. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the under here. Yeah, all the things you said is on par. Hunter Brown's only allowed four homers in 62 and a third 
uh, Kevin Gosman's hasn't allowed more than two earned runs in his last five starts. I'm going with the under. Yeah, that's a no-brainer. Of course, it'll end up being absolutely. 50. <laughs> no, but I, I, I am, I, I, I am with you on that. Well, yeah, and uh, you know, again, looking at the Jays lineup and looking at the fact that Altuve isn't, although it certainly didn't didn't hurt them last night not having Altuve Try in the Alvarez lineup. Out. That that would be your good place to start. Yeah, I uh, I just think that uh, yeah, I'm with you. I got I to me the the under's a pretty easy it's a pretty easy call here uh, at eight. Uh, that was between the lines. Brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. So let's get you set for the next hour of the show. Shai Davidi will join us at 6 o'clock. He was in, I believe it was Ross Atkins' availability today. Uh, He'll join us to talk about the decision to send Alec Manoa down. Dana Brown is the general manager of the Houston Astros, of course, longtime assistant general manager with the Toronto Blue Jays. And uh, he'll, well, as as Buck Martinez pointed out, um, the Houston Astros lead the AL in ERA and they've allowed one or th- fewer earned runs in their la- 11 of their last 17 games. Their starting pitching has been great. And they're an organization that no Lance McCullers, uh, Jose Arquiti's hurt. Verlander. Verlander left. Yep. I mean, they're, they're hurting. And, they, and Luis Garcia's done for the year. Yet they're the Astros. They are right now the hottest team in baseball. So we'll talk to Dana Brown about, uh, about the situation he inherited with Houston and we've also got Jay's tickets to give away as well. So a busy, busy, busy hour ahead, right up to the first pitch. This is Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fans, Sportsnet 360, Sportsnet, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Every day, the Jeff Mary Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Blair and Barker. Uh, as always, if you're listening to us via podcast, you can uh, rate and review. Uh, Mr. Barker and myself will be doing Blue Jays talk tonight as well after the Jays 3-1 win over the Astros. Ooh, 3-1. Wow. That's like 12 punches from Gosman. You think he can do it? Astros lineup is still, I, they're, they're still a good team, you know. People are, oh, Texas, 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 Texas. They're still a good team. Texas is a good team, too, but. Texas is a good team. Yeah, yeah, they score a lot of runs. Yeah. But experience, and you have the second best hitter in baseball. And every time time I see Jordan Alvarez play, I just kind of go. You know, at some point, I got to stop asking myself whether he's underrated. Yeah. Am (laughs) Am I saying it wrong? Is he the second best hitter in baseball behind Aaron Judge? Is Aaron Judge the best hitter in baseball? So here's the way I'd look at it. I, I, I look at it differently. 
let's oh, Shohei Otani. If you could pick a guy to build your team around, Shohei Otani's the guy. Um, yeah, but he's not the best hitter in baseball. No, he could be the best player because of what he does. Is Trout, the best hitter in baseball. I mean, it's hard not Judge? to give a dude that title. Ronald after Acuna? the year, after the year that Judge is coming off yeah. of, and what he brings to the Yankees, I'll ask you this: You're asking me, that's who? Who would I choose? <laughs> okay, leaving Otani aside, I would choose Judge first. I would probably choose Trout second, and then I'd probably go Li- with Alvarez. Uh, well, but li- but it, wow, it's, but li- it's hard. Li- life on the line. Who's getting the at bat? He got one at bat to give it to. Life on the line is is Alvarez. Well, you just picked him third. Yeah, but I, what? what's going well, on because, there? Because I've got because the other guys, well, because Trout's a, a good defender, and because Judge is also a decent defender. And I don't know if he's a, what is what his uh, analytics are, but I'd rather have them in the field than I would Alvarez. I guess is the way I'd put it. But We're life on the line, bats. life hitter, on the line, hitter. Hitter? Not defender. Oh, be there. Not all around I, I, player. I'd probably you take... You got one at bat to give it to somebody. Who are you giving it it'd to? It'd be between him and Judge. You saw it all over the map there. Yeah. Be between him and Judge. I mean... I'd probably go with... I could uh, get picky and say who's pitching, yeah, what's yeah, he throw. Yeah. Well, uh, Shai Davidi, Sportsnet's uh, MLB insider. He joins us in Blair and Barker. Shai, uh, busy day today, obviously with the Alec Manoa news. Uh, what's, what's your read on the reaction to the news down there? The, the, you know, the clubhouse reaction, um, the reaction in general. Cause that's, uh, I can't imagine anybody's surprised based on what we saw last night, but there was still kind of a slap in the face to see the news, you know, to, to, to see the, that cold, hard line in that, uh, that press release. Yeah. I think the way I would put it, there's a feeling of, understanding why it happened, but more sort of a a disbelief that it got to this point. Because, again, you think about Alec Manoa and all the games that he's pitched and how much trust everybody has put in him, which he's earned, and you just continually expected that it's going to come around. He's going to come out of it. He's one start away. He's a good few innings away, and it just didn't happen. So I, I would say there's maybe a stoic understanding of it, but also uh, a fair bit of disbelief that it got to this point. I think that applies to Manoa himself as well. Shy, you know how you always hear from managers and front office people that always say, well, he'll be back soon. How come I don't have that feeling with Alec Manoa? Well, I I think it's because nobody really knows if he's going to be back soon. Like the hope is that he'll be back soon. And clearly it's important for obvious reasons that he's back soon, but they're not going to rush him because the process that he's going to go through uh, down at the Florida Complex League is going to take however long it takes. And there's no point in sort of rushing him back when he's not quite right and then having him yo-yo or having him come back here and not be able to be effective. So... I think there's a few things at play. You know, the Blue Jays want him to work through a couple minor deficiencies in his delivery. Uh, they want him to figure out what's been going on with his stuff and to just get that lost bit of velo back and that effectiveness, that real bite on the slider back. And then 
just get that that ferocity that he pitched with to such great effect over the last couple of years back. And is that two weeks? Is that a month? Is that six weeks? That's all dependent on Alec Manoa. And I don't think the Blue Jays went into this with a, a plan of saying, okay, he's going to be back in X amount of days. Because really at this point, it's, just, it's going to take what it's going to take. And identifying an exact number is kind of impossible right now. Shy, you mentioned a bunch of things that, that he needs to work on. Do you think there's one certain thing that they point, they point their finger at and say, if he fix that, everything else that you just mentioned will take care of itself? I don't know that it's that simple because all the things that we're talking about are in some sense are interconnected in how much of it is his mechanics and how much of it is uh, something else that is, is it mindset? Is it confidence? They're all to different degrees, but like clearly the starting point, they're going to get him in the pitching lab. They're going to have him work through uh, his delivery, try to figure out, uh, uh, try to figure out exactly what, uh, what he's working with there, what that looks like. And that's almost like a first step. And then when he gets beyond that, then some of the other things will start falling into place. But I don't know if it's just one thing. And look, I think last time out after starting East Milwaukee, I kind of written, it's probably going to be a process. This isn't going to be snap your fingers kind of thing where you do one thing and everything falls into place. And it's, at this point, that's really what it's starting to look like, that it's going to be a process and it's going to take however long it's going to take. Uh, Shy, did he get – did he do a lousy job in the offseason of handling his success and getting himself ready for this year? I don't know if it's that. Look, I, I, I think one element of it is he hauled a lot of innings uh, on back-to-back years, so it was a, uh, in total roughly mm-hmm. 200 innings last year, and he went essentially from close to close to zero during the pandemic year, whatever he was able to do at the at the at the alternate site in, in the build-up, and then he's got this big workload, so he's got to have a period of recovery. So I don't know whether he started maybe his off-season a little bit later than usual, but I, I do believe there was a significant period of recovery built into that but for whatever reason certain things haven't fallen into place for him and look I do think the pitch clock is maybe part of this too where you're going from one of the someone who was among the slower workers in baseball now having to pitch constantly with uh, within 15 seconds and you know there's certainly a, a little bit of uh there's just less time to gather yourself and, you know, catch your breath and be sort of at full strength. So maybe there's, maybe there's a, a conditioning aspect tied to the pitch clock in terms of an adjustment. Uh, and, and maybe that part wasn't anticipated enough. I don't know. I, I think it would be speculation, but clearly like something's been off from his, with his delivery from the outset. And he's got to figure, he's got to figure that out. And I think that'll be part of what he's doing down in Dunedin is just making sure that all those elements are in place so that once they do lock down the delivery, everything else should tie in after that. So where do the Jays go in the short term with Saturday's start and the midterm with the rest of the year? 
All right. Well, the short term is there's going to be fingers crossed that they don't need Bowden Francis uh, over the next few days and that he can be the guy for them on Saturday, uh, maybe with an opener, maybe not. But that's the primary one. And if he's not available in a significant way Saturday, then they're going to have to make up some stuff on the fly. You know, they don't want to necessarily do the full bullpen day thing, which they did uh, three times last September, which uh, was very taxing on their bullpen, although ended up working out sort of maybe the best way it possibly could, given their performances of everyone around them. But he's really plan A, and there aren't a ton of plan B and C's right now in the farm system. You know, you look at him, you know, Thomas Hatch for a couple innings, could be a factor at some point in time. Uh, Jay Jackson certainly earned a lot of uh, admiration and uh, gratitude for the performance he was able to deliver yesterday behind Manoa. But again, there's just not, there aren't a lot of options for the Blue Jays. And I just even, you know, asking around, uh, reached out to a couple people about uh, are, are there any guys on minor league contracts with some outs? Uh, who are going to be uh, going to have that coming up that may shake loose soon, and you know a partial list, but it doesn't seem to be a lot of uh, a lot of players who have it out who who would be a solution. So right now it's really Bowden Francis may have to give that a little bit of run. He'd been pitch, uh, of the of the options at Buffalo. He'd been pitching uh, the best, and yeah, the Blue Jays really need him to find a way to be effective and, and help pay for this for this gap because uh, again they're they're all, unless they go out and are able to find somebody which isn't easy they're uh, they don't have much much else to, to throw out there uh, until Manoa's ready shy last one before we let you go yeah since, if i'm john snyder i'm thinking to myself i i do have something to lean on gothman's been really good bassett's been excellent barrios has been really good you say kikuchi's been really good any more pressure on him to maybe you know Maybe I thought about before this happened, I'd take my, those four starters out an inning early. Now maybe I'll let it run a little longer. Any thought on that, you think? Maybe. Look, I think there are a number of things on the table, right? Like the Blues have three off days this month, and do they maybe move around some starts? But I think you've got to be careful with all that in terms of putting too much on those guys, yeah. Kev, because – you cannot afford another injury. Yeah. You cannot afford some bad luck. And there's going to be, you know, somebody, nobody takes a line drive off the leg or something along those lines. The Blue Jays just can't handle that right now. And they've also come out, like, you know, Wednesday, when they, by the time they get to their next off day next week, who have been 30 games in 31 days. You know, you want to be able to give your starters a little bit of room to breathe uh, just it, it, as a result of that. So, I think for those reasons, they, they're going to have to be careful from putting any more on those guys. Uh, could they maybe get an extra inning here or there? You know, it's a 50-50 decision, sure. But I think as a strategy, that's, that's a, a bit of a, a slippery slope, yeah. given how thin the pitching situation is right Great now. Great point. Good stuff, Shai. Appreciate you doing Excellent. this, man. We'll see you out at the yard. Thanks, buddy. Uh, I'll talk to you guys. See ya. Take care. That's Shai Davidi, our MLB insider with Sportsnet. <laughs> and uh, again, yeah. give you the lineup for tonight just because we haven't. Uh, first pitches in a little less than an hour. Springer, Bichette, Guerrero, Belt, Merrifield, Varsho, Kirk, Kiermeyer, Espinal, 
Kevin Gossman on the mound. Uh, Matt Chapman is not in the lineup today after having an infected, ingrown toenail huh? removed yesterday. That hurts. Uh, okay. Uh, if you if you look at Hunter Brown, Jeff, I, I was just looking at that when you were reading out the lineup. Mm-hmm. Righties against Hunter Brown are hitting 288. Lefties are hitting 190. So basically, I've eliminated the cleanup hitter, the six-hole hitter, and the eight-hole hitter. I'm not saying they're not going to get any hits, but you'd think because of how good Hunter Brown's velocity is away and elevated and how good he tunnels the breaking ball, that's why lefties are hitting 190 off him. Yeah. It's up to the righties. Vladdy. Uh, Vladdy. <laughs> I, mean, I, I hate to keep saying it that way. Well, no, it's pretty Shia, listen, When Shia was obvious. talking there about John and, and figuring out how he's going to handle the starters that he does have and not pushing those guys. Give me the six first inning runs. The, the, only game I, the only name I kept thinking of was Vladdy. Uh, Jose Barrios was asked earlier today about um, the decision to send Manoa down and kind of the impact on the clubhouse and how he viewed it. And further... A further example of how many people have had to go down in the minor leagues. It's not always once you make it, you stay. But uh, I wanted to play a clip from Jose Barrios because um, he kind of has. Jose Barrios is one of those guys that kind of has a way of. Uh, he kind of lets you in. He lets you into what stuff feels like at times. And this was this was him talking about the whole thing about being sent down. It's hard, like hard new. I, I passed through for that. I remember t- back 2016 when the team sent me down. But it was like, you know, we are reason, we are purpose, obviously. We sometimes we, we are human. We are like some competitor athlete, and sometimes we don't understand that. But at the end of, like, of the day or the, of the moment, we're going to understand why we, they do the movement, and obviously. Now it's on us, like on him, to keep doing what he have to do. Like he working, he still had the ability. I mean, that's obviously like uh, his speech is still working. Uh, right now, he just little bit adjustment, and I know I know he's able to make that and you know make that come back, you know, quicker. That was Jose Brios talking about you know being sent down. Yeah. It gets to the point you were talking about. Um, as well you do have to you have to it's almost like you, you get a morning period that's well said and then you got to go to work yeah but how long is that period like that that it was three weeks for me three weeks too long and you know and cost it, me yeah and and i would imagine see i can't i don't know whether it would be I would think it would be harder. I, I, it's harder to get up. The, the longer the fall, the harder it is to get up, I guess. And to go from a Cy Young finalist to a guy who's one of the worst pitchers in baseball, again, that's, that's what he is this year. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty big fall, right? That's not, well, I hit 240. Mm-hmm. Not, like, I'm not taking your career away from you. But you know what I'm saying? That's a massive fall. Absolutely. For, for a dude compared to we'd like you to do this. And if you, you know, do this, you can get back here. And, and, and it's got to be in some ways harder for a pitcher too, I would think in some ways. 
Yeah, I don't think so. I, I, no, I, I don't, I don't more, think it matters one way or the other. I think it's the shock of I'm no longer a big leaguer. I no longer ride planes. I take buses. Like, there's a shock there. And it's who can get over that the quickest, move past that part of it where there is a shock of I'm a minor leaguer. I'm not a big leaguer right now. Um, and I'm not going to be until I figure it out. And that's uh, whoever gets over it the quickest. I didn't. It took me three weeks. When, that's about two weeks too long. When you went down there, when you were sent down, was there someone that uh, manager, coach, player? No, family. Uh, my, my, un, who was down there that reached out? Not not reached out, but, but you know, sort of tried to take you under their wing and – I'll flip it on its other end. Je- Jeff Jenkins, I hung out with him every single day. I haven't heard from him since. Okay. I mean, there's nothing wrong right. with that. And, yeah. I, and I actually saw him when when I think I was playing uh, spring training and he was with the Phillies. And yeah. he, he just said, I had no idea how to talk to you, which is sort of par. Yeah. Sort of right. It's it's like I'm my direct my because we were joined at the hip. We did everything together off season. He's sort of the same kind of hitter that I was. His career went one way, mine went the other. He had no idea how to have the conversation with me. I used to text him and try and call him, and you know the phone calls just weren't there because, to my point, is just people don't know how. That's great, and and people just don't want to involve themselves in that part of it. You just don't even want to look at that. Anymore. Everybody's got their own. Like stuff you just don't want to look right? at yeah. it. Like the minor leagues is like the plague. You just it is. I hate to tell everybody, it is that bad. Like you just don't, and then you get a taste of what it can be like, and it's just so far removed from that. It's like Kevin Pilar, what Buck said. Mm-hmm. It's the longest ride he's ever taken from Toronto to Buffalo. It's not very far. But, boy, when you're in the car and you're on your way there, the realization that you're no longer a big leaguer for however long that is could be forever. Like, you don't know that. Alec doesn't know that. But you got to somehow get past that. And I'm not saying it's going to be that. But I'm saying there is a realization of you got to get past that. He's had 13 starts of trying to figure it out. You think all of a sudden he's just going to walk down in a facility in Florida and it's going to click all of a sudden? Absolutely not. He's got to mesh the mental part of it, the physical part of it, the conditioning part of it, that everybody has a, a an issue with saying the word out loud. It's a factor. Who can say it? It's a factor. All of those things We've have to be... We've been talking about conditioning since the start of the year. Absolutely. And, this show has. You have to mesh it together, figure out how to apply it, and get better arm side. That, for me, is where it's at. Arm side for him. He can figure that out. We'll see him sooner than later. If he can't figure that out, that's why I asked Buck, if you're Ross, what are you looking for? And he said command and control. It is that. He didn't say velocity. He didn't say conditioning. Command and control. you got to be able to command that thing, have it go where you and want it think, to go. And if you don't do that, then and you I, may not see him anytime soon. No, and I would think part of that may come with conditioning. Who knows? Conditioning may be the key to that. Absolutely. Um We've been giving you the chance to win Blue Jays tickets all season long here on Blair and Barker, whether you listen to the radio or on our, pod, our podcast or you're watching us on TV. All you have to do is text the correct answer to our daily baseball trivia question to 590-590. Yesterday's trivia question and answer was, I love this question yesterday. Today's is even better. Barry Bonds is number one all time with 762 Barry. career home runs. How many times did the Giants slugger hit 50 or more home runs in a single season? This. Never got it. 
once. That's crazy. 2001 when he hit 73, That's which tells crazy. you how consistent he was because he didn't have, right? I mean, there's a whole lot of you know, 40 you, to 50 you know, you know when you say that, people roll their eyes, though. Yeah. And they should. Yeah, they should. But also, they should. They there should. were a lot of home runs hit back when he was thin Barry, too, if you know what I mean, when he was the Still got to hit it. Today's question to win tickets is to win tickets to see the Jays and Giants down at the Rogers Center on June 29th. I love this one. Who thought of this? Uh, Yeah, this is uh, solid. First of all, because it's one of my favorite dudes in the game. But anyhow, Giants ace Tim Lincecum won his second consecutive NL Cy Young Award in 2009 when he edged out which two Cardinals pitchers for the award. This is a good one. Giants ace Tim Lincecum won his second consecutive NL Cy Young Award in 2009 when he edged out which two Cardinals pitchers for the award. Text the answer to 590-590 for your shot to win. See rules at sportsnet.ca slash 590. Would have gotten one of them. Would have had to think about the second one, but probably, probably would have got it. Tim Lincecum was great. Yeah. Oh, God. Covering Tim, Tim Lincecum in the postseason was just spectacular. Well, it's fun to, to cover he could, people who are different. And he'd fill your notebook. How do you, how do, you do that? And he no, was I, Really, I don't have any idea. And I, <laughs> like, it's great. Uh, and I, uh, I always tell the story when I was covering the Barry Bonds cool. march, if you want to call it that, <clears throat> to the home run record. And basically what you did is when the clubhouse opened, everybody went in the clubhouse and hung around because you never knew when Barry was going to do something or say something. Barry wasn't going to talk. Did he ever you. talk to you? Uh, once. He talked to a group was of us good? once. Yeah. Bar- I, you know, it's weird. When Barry was in Montreal, like Barry's first wife was from Montreal. And his brother-in-law, I believe it was his brother-in-law, was, the, was one of the visiting clubhouse kids. Yeah. And... When Barry played for the Pirates, he raked in Montreal. Sure. Like he owned that team. Mm-hmm. So he was always having pretty good games. Mm-hmm. And he was still Barry. Mm-hmm. He could be hard to deal with. But the Pirates had two guys covering the team who were really good dudes and who got along with Barry. And, you know, post-game, you'd, post-game there'd be three or four of us. Barry was great. I used to tell people, everybody said, my God, Bobby Bonilla is such a good dude and Barry Bonds is such a bad dude. I go, Bobby Bonilla is a $3 bill, man. Barry Bonds could be an ass. Barry Bonds could be an ass. But you knew what you were getting. But you knew what you were getting yeah, with yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? It was worth And he was going to be good. He would uh, talk hitting with you. Know. Anyhow, uh, the story is, the reason I, I like Tim, Lin- Tim Lincecum so much is when all this Bond stuff was going on, we soon figured out that the place to stand was Lincecum's locker because he was cool. He had great music. Um, he was just, and he thought it was great, and he, like, embraced it. You know, he had a little area for the writer. He thought it was great. This was kind of our own little area, our little sure. safety area was Tim Lincecum. No wonder he got two Cy Young Awards. A lot of people voted for Tim Lincecum, I bet, as a result of how well he treated people. Oh, you people. guys do it that way? Oh, hell yeah, all the time. Huh. Uh Dana Brown is the general manager of the Houston Astros. Dana oh. Brown joins us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fans. Sportsnet 316, wherever you get your favorite podcast. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with Ailish Forfar and Justin Cuthbert. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
more than a half an hour away from first pitch at the Rogers Center. Hunter Brown on the mound for the Astros. Kevin Gossman for the Blue Jays. The Jays line of Springer, Bichette, Guerrero, Belt, Merrifield, Varsho, Kirk, Kiermaier, Espinal. Of course, you already know by now that the Blue Jays have optioned Alec Manoa to their Florida Complex League. And uh, there's just no timetable for his return right now. The, the, so let's. there's no point in even talking about it, looking ahead to when he might come back. There's no timetable for his return. Everybody's been pretty clear about that. The idea is to try to get him back to uh, some sort of facsimile of the dude who finished uh, the finalist for Cy Young voting. Um, well, our, our next, it's a real uh, pleasure to uh, welcome our next guest to the show. Yeah. Uh, he is Dana Brown, general manager of the Houston Astros, a longtime baseball executive, longtime executive with the Toronto Blue Jays, so uh, certainly no stranger to the city. And uh, Dana, thank you so much for joining Kevin and myself. Uh, it's the first time we've had a chance to talk, so congratulations, congratulations on the job, and I hope everything's everything's going well for you and yours. Um, I don't want to ask you specifically about Alec Manoa <clears throat> because obviously he's not he's not one of your players, but in in a general sense, Dana. You know, this is the news of the day here. How, what, to your mind, what determines whether or not it is worthwhile to send a player down to the minors? You know, somebody who's had a certain amount of success initially. It's got to be a hard call for a baseball man, isn't it? Yeah. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Yeah, it's tough for me to watch, too, because I've been scouting Manoa since probably 19 or 20 years old. And uh, I saw him out of the draft, and he's a really good arm. And it was no surprise to me how successful he was in the big leagues. And uh, to watch him throw last night, um, you know, he just looked like a different guy. I mean, of course, I don't know, you know, what's going on, but I know for the franchise it's got to be tough to watch. And, you know, at the end of the day, we, we all go out and we, we want to put good product on the field. And it's tough to watch when there's a guy that's good that's struggling. And one of the things I was really intrigued when you when you took over this job, obviously the uh, we know the story, the Astros defending World Series champion that there there was a change in the in, in the front office. But one of the things that intrigued me about this is I'm sure, look, it's a great job, but like anybody else, I'm sure you did your due di- diligence before you took over. Um is there anything you've seen in the first, I don't know, 6, 7, 8 months you've been in there that has surprised you? And and I mean that I mean that in a positive way, way. Like anything about the organization where you just sit back and go, man, I just, I had no clue, you know, from the outside and even with my due diligence, I just had no clue that this was the way it was. Uh, no, not really. I mean, I, uh, I've only been here for four months, by the way. Right. Uh, you know, I, I started like uh, January 26th was my first day on. Uh, I knew I was coming into a franchise that uh, had a pretty good team and, um, and uh, a good manager. And so, um, you know, but nothing, you know, really here surprised me. I just stepped right in and, you know, I'm not privy to what was taking place beforehand because uh, I was in Atlanta, of course. Uh, but I know uh, it's been totally professional. It's a good relationship with uh, me and Dusty, great relationship with ownership with Jim Crane. And uh, it's, it's a great place to work. So, and I'm excited about it. The team is good. You know, we have a good starting rotation, good bullpen. Uh, our bats are starting to heat up, and we can catch the baseball. So uh, we've been playing well. 
Dana, Hunter Brown's throwing for you guys tonight. He's only given up four homers, as you well know, in 62 and a third. Uh, he throws enough uh, strike ones, which is a big deal for a young guy. He lives on the edges. Everybody's trying to hit homers. That's a big deal. He doesn't give up a lot of hard contact. How does he do, do all those things? Yeah, I think he's pretty good. He's got a really good fastball, and that cutter is uh, a really nasty pitch. And those two pitches specifically are really good pitches. Uh, he'll run that fastball up to 98, um, and it takes off on hitters. And then he'll he'll throw that hard uh, cutter about 91 to 93. And, those, and, and at times it could be a wipeout pitch, particularly if he's commanding it. And so, you know, he's got it, definitely has a good arm. Um, you know, if he can continue to pitch with that fastball, I think it's going to make the cutter more effective and uh, he'll have some success. You know, Dane, in, in, in addition to being successful at the major league level, you know, I'm looking at your starting rotation. You guys took a, I mean, you, you, you've, you took a couple of body blows that would have frankly put other teams, I mean, would have knocked other teams yeah, for absolutely. a spin, losing Verlander. I mean, Garcia or Keaty for a while, Lance McCullough is not coming back. Um, the depth of this organization, and I think we saw it last year during the postseason, the way Dusty was able to use to use his pitching. Do people give the Astros enough credit, do you think, for the depth they've been able to accumulate You know, while they've been good, right? It's not like this team has had the first pick overall every year. This is a team that's been winning, and yet they still seem to have guys that can come up and contribute to winning. Yeah, yeah. The one thing I'm on record uh, saying is uh, when I got here, I realized how good the uh, the pitching program is here with uh, in leadership uh, with our two uh, major league pitching guys, uh, Miller and Murphy. Uh, those guys do an outstanding job of leadership throughout the organization. Uh, I remember in spring training they had breakout sessions, and I'm on a record in saying this that uh, they do an outstanding job of bringing pitchers in and telling them what quadrant of the strike zone to throw to, uh, what stuff works best. And, you know, they're just really good at what they do. And, uh, you know, and my whole thing is you always need starter depth. And these guys have that focus here in terms of having starter depth. And, uh, yeah, and and I think it's very, very important uh, starter depth. There's nothing like having it. Um, and, you know, one of the things I did, too, in spring training is I uh, asked uh, Blanco if he would jump into the uh, rotation. Uh, I asked him if he wouldn't mind being stretched out as a starter because I, I saw him throw, and it looked like it was pretty good. It was clean actions. He threw strikes. And so we tried – you know, we went to build him up uh, as a starter as well. Uh, so he stepped in now with the six-man rotation. And so having starter depth is so valuable, and everybody knows we're always looking for starters in the big leagues. and. And so I think one of the ways that these guys do a good job here, and I learned it real fast, is they do a good job of uh, tutoring the pitchers and getting them to, to, get, to maximize their abilities. I'm one of those guys that I think it matters where you hit in the order consistently, right? Every day you, you don't have to go to the lineup cart and, and see where you're hitting. Dusty put Jeremy Pena in the two-hole. How has that helped Jeremy be Jeremy? Yeah, I mean, I think um, as a big leaguer, you got to learn to move around the order depending on who you are. I mean, when you're part of that uh, big three, three, four, and five, those guys usually hit the same spot. Sometimes you have to mix and match with guys at the top and the bottom of the lineup, you know, depending on who's throwing, if it's a lefty, if it's a righty. Uh, Pena is one of those guys that, you know, he can be susceptible to the slider on the outer half at times, and then he can go in a roll and he can get as hot as anybody can get. 
And so, uh, you know, getting him up at the top of the lineup, hopefully, you know, he'll get some more pitches to hit in front of uh, Alvarez, and uh, he can get rolling because, you know, as you guys saw in the postseason last year, this guy can get hot and really carry a club. Dana, what did you learn most from your time with Alex and your time with the Blue Jays that uh, helped prepare you for this for this job? Yeah, the one thing that, or I would say, the three things that we really focused in on is, um, you know, evaluation was a, a major part of what we what we talked about. Trying trying to get the players right in terms of evaluations. And then we really got better uh, at analytics, and we, we started to find out what works, you know, reading the data, and you mix that uh, with the scouting. And then the final thing is makeup. You know, we talked about, you know, getting quality human beings in that clubhouse, guys that have uh, work ethic, a will to win, passion for the game, love for the game. And those three things as a combination uh, can set your organization up in the right uh, direction. You know, good evaluations, you know, good analytics, and and good makeup in the clubhouse is is, is uh, paramount. Dana, I see you guys line up have have a run producer in Jordan Alvarez, right? He he's hitting over four hundred runners in scoring position. We talk about that with the Blue Jays all the time. They need that guy every day, right? To, that can be able to zone up, get a good pitch to hit, drive a big run in late in the game. Uh, I'd love to hear your definition of what a run producer. Yes, like uh, what sort of the – how is a run producer a run producer? That's uh, sort of what I'm asking. Yeah, run producers are run producers because they're tough outs, let's face it. Uh, there are guys that you just do not want to face in the lineup, mm-hmm. and he's one of them. He's a tough out. If you make a mistake, he's going to punish you and make you pay for it. Most of the run producers all have big slugs so they can drive the ball over the wall. Uh, they can drive the ball in the gaps. And when you got a guy that can hit for power and he's a tough out and he doesn't chase and he'll, he'll take his walks, uh, you have a monster in the middle of your order, and that's pretty much what he is. He's scary. <laughs> he's really scary. It's, it's, it's big power. It's play discipline. And uh, he loves the moment. He loves the moment. Dana, listen, we really appreciate yeah. your time, and we're going to let you run. Thanks Wonderful. so much for doing this. Really happy for you. Uh, yeah. Continued success, my friend. Be well. Thanks a lot. Guys, uh, guys, I appreciate you having me on. Thanks so much. It's good Take to be care. back in Toronto. Yeah, awesome. absolutely. Dana Brown, general manager of the Houston Astros, appreciate him giving us a few no moments. No question. Uh, half an hour before game time. Yeah, general managers cool. always got stuff they do half an hour before game sure time. Sure they do. Uh, yeah, I was, you know, just looking at, at looking at the Astros, those pitching injuries, and yet they're going to a six-man rotation. <laughs> like, you know you got serious yeah. depth when three dudes get hurt. And you're still able yeah, to go well, to six-man rotation. I've been around Dusty long enough to know he don't like that. He'd rather have the extra bullpen arm than have the six-man rotation. So, I, And I have also heard him say that, right? They're doing that because they have to do it, right? Yes. They're trying to take care of younger arms to not abuse them early in the season because of the way their lineup is, right? Mm-hmm. Bregman's starting to hit. Tucker's doing his thing. Jordan Alvarez is the second, for me anyway, second best hitter in baseball. Pena, when he's in a hot streak, you're able to move up. He's getting on base all the time. He can steal bases. He puts pressure on you and sort of both sides of the ball. So I think they're able to do it. Because of that, this is why I yell Vladdy's name all the time. It'd be just easier, right? I mean, it's you're yelling and screaming it. Because I look at Vladdy when he's hot, like Alvarez, 
Like, he can do things to carry your team for long periods of time. We just haven't consistently seen that from Vladdy. So, yeah, I, I, you know, I don't think Dusty likes it. I think he's doing it because he has to do it. He'd rather have the extra arm to be able to match up a little bit more and, you know, have the the, the little bit more length to where, he, you know, maybe he could carry an extra inning bullpen arm fifth and sixth inning instead of having yeah. the extra starter. But right now he has to do it, and right now they're winning baseball games. Yeah, and, so you keep doing it. And, and I'm sure we've talked about this a, a, a great deal, right? One of the reasons for the Houston Astros' success last year uh, was the work they got out of their starting rotation no and the ability to keep your bullpen healthy. If, what is it, Alex? What is it, Alex Anthopoulos? Said? Once you get to the postseason, then you can abuse, abuse guys. Them. No question. Then you can abuse guys because yeah. it's all about winning. And yeah. they're, it's not. There's no tomorrow. It's that tomorrow could either be a World Series ring or you got four months to think about it. Mm-hmm. So um, there is that, and I think that's probably probably part of this part of the reason they're doing this too as well because. You've got bullpen arms that pitched in the postseason last year, and I sure. and I am a big believer, and I, I know sometimes you roll your eyes at it, but I do think after a while, I just think stuff adds up. You guys, it's a lot of extra baseball, and it's a shorter off Maybe season. if you've never done it before, yeah, for sure. You know? Yeah, you it's can't sh- teach experience. No, and you got to yeah, yeah. learn how to... Yeah, you know, that's one of the things those great Yankees teams were the, the postseason no was they knew about it. So they yeah. knew that if it's we go to the part World of the season, season. there's another season. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know what? That means that as I get older, maybe I gotta rest an extra three weeks. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. And and I just think there's there's something to learning that. But mm-hmm. yeah, it is th- this organization you know, the Astros to to hit on as many players as they've hit on uh without the benefit of you know, finishing last to keep finding these pitchers. And for the longest time, the thing with the Astros is they scouted Venezuela better than any other team in baseball. That was just an Astros thing. They very early, they decided that everybody's going after players in the Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico. We are going to focus on Venezuela that we're going to make that. They were one of the teams that really zeroed in on Venezuela. And now it's just, they've, they've got, like I said, they bring guys up, and 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 it just works. Like I, I cannot, and and this is why you know it kind of makes you shake your head a bit about the Blue Jays. Um, what happens if the Blue Jays have all these pitching injuries? They they don't win. It's real simple. Like that, again, that's, they're not winning. Now Lance McCullers is hurt. And Lance McCullers has been hurt in recent years. So you kind of, hey, Lance McCullers. But no, guaranteeing nobody thought. Where, what division you play in really helps a lot. Well, but this. It does is, a lot. That is not an easy division. Uh, it's easier. Second toughest division it's, in baseball. Uh, it's easier. Houston, Texas, and Seattle. The, the NL East, I guess. I mean, I guess. It's not what the American be, League East, though. No. What would be the second, tough, second toughest division in baseball? The NL East? Probably. You can Braves, throw the, Phillies, yeah. You can throw Mets. you can maybe throw the West in there too if the Padres were living up to what the we saw the two Padres teams there. Be. Yeah, but Diamondbacks, you could throw the Diamondbacks in there too. So you could have some teams. Like Let me ask you this: There's some teams, but other than the East, it's a decent argument. I other guess. than the East, how many teams? How many divisions have have multiple teams that could win a World well, let Series? Let me ask you a question: How big's the separation? That's what I'll ask you from the American League East and in the second hardest one. It's big. That's the point I think we're getting at here is you can have some hiccups like the Mets. The Mets are still in it, and offensively, they're not real good. If this Mets team was in the American League East, 
it, they're talking about firing their manager with yeah. the money they've spent. Boy, that would that's be hard the, to see. That's the difference. He is. see that. That's the you can have a little in season hiccup in other divisions and still be relevant. You do that in the American League East, you're the Blue Jays. Uh, that's the point. Uh, Alec Manoa actually being uh, dispatched to the Florida Complex League is not the biggest pitching story in baseball today. That is, uh, Jacob deGrom has been placed on the IL. He's going to need some sort of surgical procedure. Uh, Sounds like Tommy John. It sounds like Tommy John. It sounds like whatever the procedure is. I know that Evan Grant wrote, maybe it won't be Tommy John. Maybe they'll insert one of those internal braces. I don't know what that means. Bottom line is he's done for 12 months. Mm -hmm. And then... You go from there. So uh, awful, Jacob Degrom awful for is baseball. Yeah, I mean he's. I mean it's unbelievable when he's healthy and he's pitching. It's that, just I'll, I'll ask you a question. Yeah, get, what do they do with him when he comes back? I mean, it's I obvious know. what the way know. he's doing it. You know what the he sca- can't stand up. It, so what do you do with him? You know what the scary thing Throw is? Throw him in the pen, let him close. No, you know what you do? Uh, maybe. I think. I think you bring. He comes back and he's probably going to be the. I, would it? He could come back and be the same dude. And give you something for two months Maybe. and then blow his arm out again. I, mean, I, don't, could, I, don't, yeah, I don't know what you do with him. That's a great – it's a great question. Uh, you know, the question about making a guy a closer. Now, is that arm going to hold up to bullpen But you're trying work? to get 100 as long as you yeah. can get 100 located. That's it's also $43 I mean, million. Dollars. I mean, I, I, I know at some point – at some point you – Well, you've you got to get something out of it. You no? do. Yeah. At some point out of it. But uh, you know what's really sad about it is uh, it's a Hall of Fame career that ain't going to happen. Absolutely. That is well said. I mean, that was an easy track, too, to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Like, easy. I mean, he's easily dominating great hitters. <laughs> like, my stuff's way better than you. And you, there's nothing you can do about it. Best, and now we don't get to see that. stuff in it's baseball? For, if you, do you if think? I, have, I think so, Maybe. just because of location. Yeah. It's two pitches. Yeah. It's a located heater that's consistently 100 and a slider. That tunnels off that. It's like in the low 90s. That's absolutely. I mean, dominate you with two pitches. It's too bad. I'm a huge baseball fan, and I wish I could see yeah, him every I loved five watching, days. I would tune into it. Uh, I loved watching no Jacob Degrom pitch. Me so too. that's that's clearly it's not uh, that's clearly not good news for. No. It's not good news for baseball. It's certainly not good news for the not. Texas Rangers. I guess maybe the only people that the, the Houston Astros are probably looking at that going, yeah, that's too bad. Uh four one six four one three three nine five. Huh? Nathan Navaldi. He could win the Cy Young. 416-413-3959 is a back leg line. Your chance to leave questions, comments, recipes, jokes for Kevin Barker. Jeff and Owen Sound, he left your Jeff, recipe. He left your recipe. Help me understand why the Jays bring oh. in all-star caliber players who are fun to watch, bring excitement to the organization. For example, MVP Josh Donaldson or Marcus Stroman or Cy Young Robbie Ray. More recently, all-star Marcus Simeon. And now we got Matt Chapman. Why do the Jays not pay these guys and keep them and build with them? Do these guys not enjoy the organization? Or do the Jays just don't want to pay them their market value? I would hope that we could keep Matt Chapman. Appreciate you guys. Help me understand that, if you would. Thank you. I, I, yeah, I mean, well, I mean, two hundred million dollars. I'll go there first of all. First of all, who the hell? Yeah, with all due respect to Josh Donaldson, he's hurt ninety five percent of the time. You don't want Josh. Yeah. Don, you don't want Josh Donaldson around. Simeon, you're giving him seventy five million to play second base. I, 
Yeah, maybe wouldn't have done. I mean, I, mean, I wouldn't. No. And Robbie Ray, bigger holes. Robbie Ray took. I think Robbie Ray took less money to go to Seattle or similar money to go to Seattle. Yeah. I mean, the payroll here is the seventh highest payroll in baseball. It's a bigger payroll than the Mariners. So it ain't there. It ain't that or, the organization's cheap. And with Matt Chapman, I'm sorry. I I don't know if I really want to sign Matt Chapman to a long term contract. Not not if he wants. You know, I don't. I, if Matt Chapman could hit clean up and drive in runs, a lot of them. Yeah, you'd think about it. I'd think can he do it. that? No, nope, I don't know if he can. I don't know if he can. But uh, yeah, those situations. Uh, you know, again, Josh Donaldson. Um, you know, we can argue about what the Jays got for Josh Donaldson and whether or not they got value. Yep. But uh, yeah, I. I've never thought of that question, Josh. I have to admit. Um, or sorry, Jeff, I've never thought of that question the way you phrased it. I just, uh, Marcus Simeon would have been interesting knowing what we know now. But the first year of that deal, there were a lot of people going, oh, boy, Texas really, really. Oh, kinda. Simeon. Hmm? Yeah, Marcus Simeon. Yeah, yeah Marcus yeah. Simeon. Yeah. Um, Texas really kind of seven a gamble this in year, this year. Yeah. He's having a very good year. Yeah, yeah. But no, the, the I, Chapman I, I thing will be him. very interesting. It'd be interesting to see if on the market he gets two hundred million dollars. I mean, I don't. That's a that's a that's a big check. He gonna he gonna get more than Marcus Simeon? He a better player than Marcus Simeon? It's all about timing. Oh, well, really? Yeah, it is. It's all I about, guess. It's all about timing. I, it, I'm sure you're right. It's I'm all sure, about I'm timing. Sure, I'm sure you're right. Teams that think that they have a that's shot a, at winning. It's a lot of money. It's all about timing. It's got it. For a, More than for anything a else. Six-hole hitter on a good team. Yeah. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Yeah, there's no other free agents out there this year. If you if you if you've got a hole and you think you're a team that can win. And super agent's gonna And you got Scott Boris. You do, yeah. It's it, not gonna hurt. It's gonna be <laughs> the market people are gonna be, I don't care what Matt Chapman's career or his season, how it finishes, or where the Blue Jays finish. I guarantee you when Matt Chapman signs, we're gonna be going, did not see that happen. Did not see that happening. I guarantee you we'll do that. There's nobody else out there. Yeah. Once the feeding frenzy for Shohei Otani is over, they're going to be teams that think well, they have a only, shot. That's only a couple they, of teams. They think team, they're going to be teams that have a shot at, yeah, but one of those teams or two of those teams aren't going to get them. You know, they're going to be teams that think they have a shot. They're going to look at Matt Chapman and go, well, we didn't get Otani, but maybe this dude will give us good defense at third base and we can stick him. We're a good enough team. We can stick him in the sixth, seventh, or eighth spot. It's basically like, it's what a, you pay for steady. And it it is. It's, <laughs> it that is, is amazing. That is a that Woo. is a terrific point. It, it is, is it is remarkable what wow. you will pay for. I'm going out there every day. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm going to catch I, the ball. Yeah, yeah, and maybe run into one. Yeah, it's crazy, right? It is. There I, is. I'm jealous. Yeah. What did uh, what is it? What is it that uh, was it? Ryan Dempster, Sean Casey said one of your best abilities is availability. It is true. People will pay a lot of money to be able to put your name in the lineup card mm-hmm. every day. That's what I... Maybe that's why Bo got 33. I keep getting back to that. It's I just know, odd that he's... Yeah. We, I know, we got we to ask John Friday why, why he gets to play every single day and nobody else does. I don't... I, well, it we're is gonna true. ask. No, it's a great because point. Because we need to know the answer. It's a great point. nobody knows the answer. He works. He spends more time in the field than anybody. Anybody. And he plays every day. Every day. Why does he get to? Nobody he's got else special does. rules. He's got his own rules. Jordan rules. You know they had Jordan rules in basketball. Maybe they got maybe they got bow rules. Sure seems like it. I actually I actually asked I asked John Schneider that question last year at one point. He just said 
Spo wants to play. Nobody else wants to play every day. I would imagine that maybe nobody presses their case the way Bo does. Huh? We but need to ask. Is, we need to ask. Yeah, it is. It is. It is remarkable. It is. It's a. It is a great ability to have to know that your dudes in the lineup every day. Yep. I mean, that is. Uh, that's worth money. Anyhow, that was a big day for the Blue Jays. Yeah, Alec that. Manoa. Huh? I nailed that. Yeah, you did. <laughs> if we had a uh, if we had a a, a Blair show if we had I'm a Blair show jacket today, I take it. I'd be, I'd be doing that. I've been putting I've been putting the jacket on Barker. Uh, I'd be putting the Blair you show. You know how many haters just turned the TV off? Doesn't matter. To me. <laughs> you know, maybe yeah, we should get I one. Just turned it off in there. Maybe we should get one. Maybe we should get a jacket for the how Blair much is show. That cost I, mean, I, me? I, I know where I can find one. Well, you're going to go to the most expensive place. How much that cost no, me? I, I'm sure the what did the, what did the Jays well, do? Look I'm sure the Jays have that one kicking around. I mean, it's not maybe being they used. Gave that to Seattle. Could be. Uh, that's it for us. We'll be doing Blue Jays talk tonight after the Jays 3-1 win over the Houston Astros. Join us for that. Join us tomorrow for this show, 5-7 to 7 Eastern on Sportsnet 590, the fans, Sportsnet 360. Have yourself a great night.